Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 177. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to thank everyone that has been reaching out and leaving reviews or shooting me DMs via Instagram and Twitter. Special shout out to a listener from Costa Rica. My buddy Kai is apparently siphoning off some of the mojo from the guests because he shot two under the other day while apparently listening to episode 73, the Brandon Wu and Isaiah Salinda episode. He also had a suggestion for a future episode. He wants another Stanford duo, Carl Phillips and Michael Fjordbornson. So Carl has already been a guest on the back of the range. So Michael, you've been called out. Let's make this happen for Kai in Costa Rica. Kai also wanted another Latin American golfer to be featured here at the back of the range. So that's happening this week. But before we get to this week's episode, we do have a couple housekeeping items. I completed the top 10 memories from 2020 here at the back of the range, posted them all on Instagram. My number one was my conversation with Jack Nicholas back on episode 118. Number two was Jimmy Dunn. I'm telling you that these two are more like 1A and 1B, very special episodes. If you haven't listened to them yet, you know where to find them. Go to the website, thebackoftherange.com few announcements coming up soon trying to get them all finalized but uh, you should be seeing more of me at other tournaments and other events in 2021 my guest on this episode is segundo oliva pinto from cordoba argentina now most of you that follow amateur golf and were following the usam abandoned dunes last year are very familiar with segundo hey that's the guy that lost because his caddy touched the yeah same guy you know, I spent a lot of time with Segundo and his Arkansas teammate, Julian Perico, at Bandon well before that incident and knew that he would be a fascinating guest for the podcast. Segundo grew up playing golf at the same club as Angel Cabrera and Eduardo Romero, Argentinian legends. Before he transferred to Arkansas, he was actually at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and set all sorts of records there. How do you get from Argentina to Wilmington, North Carolina? So the wheels were already spinning when I was talking to Segundo. I figured, man, he's going to have some great stories. I would love to hear them in a conversation. And then what happened in that bunker in 18, you know, happened. All of a sudden, that one day, that one hole became his entire world. Imagine the questions he was asked. Imagine how many times he was asked. Multiply that by 100 and then double it. So I decided to put Segundo's episode on hold for a bit, told him I wanted to talk to him about more than just the USAM, and I'm so glad that I did. Segundo is a phenomenal player. You're going to see a lot of him in the next couple of years at Arkansas. If you like the Julian Perico episode, you are going to absolutely love this one. So let's get started. Segundo, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? What's up, Ben? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, luckily with the benefit of technology, uh, we are able to talk today and, and kind of recap 2020 and, and catch up on a few things. And you are currently in your home country of Argentina. So uh, first off, Happy New Year. Um, how are you spending uh, your first couple days of 2021 in Argentina? Thanks, man. Uh, happy New Year to you, too. So right now I'm in Argentina, just 
played uh played some golf and uh, I'm probably gonna go up to the lake uh with my friends and family, probably do some wakeboarding over there, uh some horse riding. Yeah, that's gonna be it until I get back to Arkansas. Play some golf in the lake too. That's awesome, man. Well it doesn't doesn't sound like the typical college golfer that's just hitting balls and doing putting drills. So I think it's great that you're taking time. I think it's great that you're taking time away from the game, uh, still playing a little bit, but also doing other things. So you you grew up in Argentina. Um, what was your? I, I'm guessing. I know you're into surfing and wakeboarding. So I'm guessing your athletic upbringing in Argentina uh, in, incorporated many sports. So tell me a little bit how you got into golf, but also the other sports you played as a kid. I did a lot of things when I was a kid. I played. Uh, I played a lot of soccer. I competed in tennis um, with a bunch of guys that are now D one college players oh, wow. in tennis. Then uh, I did. I did snowboarding, surfing, wakeboarding. Did a lot of things because my dad uh, wanted us out of the house as much as possible. Okay. And uh, I guess I guess he liked he liked us to be able to do these these sort of things. And me and my brothers, we all like adrenaline i guess and so we were all doing a lot of sports and i kind of got into golf after i quit tennis because i sucked at it <laughs> and i real, I, I yeah i mean i honestly realized at 13 like i'm not getting anywhere with this so we live near a golf course my dad said let's go try it out i played a couple of rounds before but nothing serious okay and uh, i just when i was 13 i really got into it and um, i guess I never stopped. It doesn't sound like you came from a household where it was golf all the time. It was, like you said, many different sports. And, you know, growing up in Cordoba, Argentina, anyone that really follows the game of golf, when they hear Cordoba, immediately they have to think of Angel Cabrera, you know, Eduardo Romero. Um, now, you grew up playing uh, at Cordoba, so that's their home course as well. So, I can't think of a better introduction to the game uh, than being there. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Cabrera and Romero, both major champions, they both uh, live like a couple blocks away from my house. I know both of them very well. And yeah, they, I mean, they were huge icons for me, especially Cabrera, because he was winning when I was growing up. Sure. Um, it was just amazing. I always saw him play, and I was like, I want to be this guy. I want to I play with him one day. I want to play like him. And you know, hopefully even better, but what he did is, is just amazing. So, yeah, he was always my role model. Sure. Now, I'm just now thinking of watching him on TV and watching him compete in major championships, obviously a Masters champion, a U.S. Open champion. But he always seems to have a very relaxed demeanor. Nothing doesn't seem like much gets to him. And I've seen you play at the U.S. Amateur. I've seen you play at Merido, And you kind of have a similar... Um, approach it it seems to the game did you kind of pick that up through him or is that your personality uh, you know independently of him um, can you maybe speak to not just learning the game but also learning how to control yourself and and you know compete on the golf course well a lot of things i do are mainly because of cabrera he doesn't know it but but it, it's true okay. one day i was playing with him and i asked him when we were playing i was like hey um Pato, that's what we call him. Uh -huh. um, were you were you like kind of scared, you know, when you were going down the stretch of the Masters? And he told me the only time that I was scared is when I was growing up and I didn't have any food. Um, so that kind of stuck in my mind. And I guess I guess that's how, that's how the way I play. I don't I don't uh, thank God that I don't 
have to concern about any of those concerns. Right. But yeah, I mean, I thought if Cabrera was playing that bold, I should do kind of the same thing. That's uh, I'm really glad you shared that story because most people that are growing up playing, you know, whether collegiate, juniors, whatever, they make such a big deal about whether it's, you know, qualifying for this tournament or making it onto this team or what their, you know, world amateur golf ranking is like. <laughs> you're, you're growing up looking up to an icon that's that doesn't mean anything to him. He's that doesn't mean anything at all. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's all about um, he's all about winning and. When he grew up, he had a really tough time, so he knows what it's like to come from the bottom, and uh, he values everything he does a lot. Well, while we're talking about Argentina, we're going to talk about your your collegiate uh, uh, career, not only at Arkansas, but also at the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. That's uh, that's where you started your, your college career. But before we get to that, I really, you know, I did want to skip past the fact that you had a nice top 10 at the Latin America Amateur Championship at Mayakoba at the beginning of 2020. You know, unfortunately, it's not going to be played in, in 21. And you and I know a Peruvian that's very upset about that. We'll, we'll get to him. We'll get to him later. But um, right. if I remember right, you were right there when your fellow countryman, Abel Gallegos, won the Latin America Amateur Championship at Mayakoba. And I think you're one of the first ones there drowning him with uh, water as he, you know, made that last birdie on 18. You know, most casual golf fans would probably look at the Latin America and say, okay, the guy, you know, the kid that wins is going to the masters and they don't really think much else of that tournament. But that tournament has such a huge impact to not just the players, but the, the countries that participate in that event. How special has that tournament been to you? Well, the luck is, is, is amazing. I mean, it was the first time that I played in Mayakoba last year. And um, we knew that an Argentina was going to win. I mean, we we all felt like that because none of us had won before. And uh, I'm glad that Abel won it because even if, if, if it wasn't me, I, I wanted someone else sure. uh, from my country to win. So I'm glad it was him. And it's just, it's just amazing. Like, I mean, it's like kind of like a new idol for Argentina because he played the Masters. Even though he, he didn't perform at it, I mean, it's just... It's just amazing um, the experience that he had playing practice round with Rory and Phil and Tommy Fleetwood. It's just it's just awesome. What was the junior golf experience like in Argentina? Uh, I mean, lots of tournaments, lots of opportunities to play. Uh, you know, I'm sure now when you're playing at the USAM or even when you're on campus, uh, you know, at, at Arkansas or, or playing in SEC tournaments, you see these, you know, perfectly manicured golf courses and and practice facilities where. You know, whether it's getting on a track man or, or, or a Sam lab, you know, putting lab, you have all these opportunities that, you know, the best in the world. What was the kind of the junior golf experience like for you? Well, it was very different from um, probably uh, a basic American golfer. That's right. Uh, golfing Argentina, junior golf is hard. Like I've traveled 16 hours in a bus to go play a practice run on a two day event. Oh, wow. Uh, like it's like that so we, yeah we would travel at uh, one time actually i traveled 22 hours in a band um so we got there in the morning like at seven play practice around nine then play two rounds the next two days and, and then back 22 hours so mm-hmm. it's and the conditions of the course were not really great like nothing compared to most courses i played in america right wow the good courses here a really, really good. The thing is that the good, go, the good golf courses here don't host any of those small events, you know. Right. 
So you have this upbringing in Argentina and, you know, you're moving up the, the ranks in junior golf and, and obviously, you know, entering high school and it's time to go to college. And you, you play your first two years of collegiate golf at the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. You know, we're talking about this this city in, in North Carolina, in the United States, with a, you know, population of about 125,000. Um, what did you know about Wilmington before you got there? How did you get to, you know, how do you get from Cordoba, Argentina to, to Wilmington, North Carolina? It was weird. It was like a weird transition. I, I, was, I had a couple schools that I wanted to go. And um, I don't know, I wasn't getting much attention. Um, as I thought I deserved, but I mean, it, it, things happen for a reason. But uh, Daniel Bowden, who was the assistant coach at that moment, he said, kid, I like your game. You're going to come play with us. We're going to give you this scholarship. It's going to be pretty good. And without even thinking about it twice, I signed for that scholarship. And I didn't even miss it. I just saw I saw a couple of pictures in the internet. I was like, okay, this is a cool place. It has a beach. I serve. <laughs> there so, you go. What else do you need, right? Uh, yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm, I guess I'm going to Wilmington. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it turned out to be an amazing experience. I had great two years over there. You have the, you know, this this thing I'm I'm looking at, uh, you know, kind of you have you set all sorts of records at at this university and and picked up, I believe, you picked up three wins in the um, Colonial Athletic Association there and. Um, making birdies is not a challenge for you, but I think it's safe to say that qualifiers are a bit of a challenge for you. And I, 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 not to harp on anything, but I, but I find it funny. Well, not funny, but it's interesting how you, you miss qualifying for a tournament. So you get to go, well, you miss qualifying for a tournament that ends up being canceled. And then you go to um, uh, Caledonia to play this other tournament that the team gets into. I think there were some issues with hurricanes there. So you actually get to go play in a tournament that you didn't qualify for. So you're there as an individual and you go ahead and win the damn thing (laughs) by shooting, I think, what, 60, 61 in like the final round. So, yeah, it was I hate qualifiers, man. What do you you want me to tell you? Well, I guess what I want to know is like there's some players that, are very successful with qualifiers. Like they can walk through a USAM qualifier. It's no problem. It's not like you don't have the game for it. So, you know, have you figured out why you have that issue uh, as opposed to like, if you're in a tournament, you, I mean, you're fine. What, we just got to get you onto the first tee and you're fine. But have you figured out maybe what your uh, kind of a, you know, hiccup is with qualifiers? I'm going to tell you a thing, but I don't want to sound like a prick. Okay. There's, <laughs> And, but it's true. It's true. It's completely true. Okay. Quali- there's no, there's no glory in winning a qualifier. If you think that there's glory, you're wrong. In my opinion, there's no glory in winning a qualifier. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's like shooting 62 in a practice round. It's 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 always nice, but it doesn't really matter. Well, I don't think it makes you sound like a prick, but I do need to kind of point out the fact that if you don't get through the qualifier, you can't play in the tournament. So. Like you have to, I mean, I hate to, I mean, this is just logic here. We got to get you through the qualifier. So have you, have you had any help at Arkansas or have you figured out what you're going to do to just at least get through? You don't need to win it, but you got to get top five. You got to have though. I don't know if you know the story, but tell uh, tell me we do stories around here. I'm I'm talking to Brad. I'm like, Hey coach, I need to know that I'm going to play. I'm not the best at qualifiers, and I, I'm telling you that in advance, so don't. If you're going to bench me every time I miss a qualifier, we're going to have to see another option. 
see, he says that, okay, he, he accepts that. And then I go to Arkansas, shoot 80, 80, 80, 80, the first four rounds of the qualifier. <laughs> first sorry. four rounds of the qualifier for first event. I'm sorry. Why, why am I laughing? I'm sorry. It's funny. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, this is, uh, this is for real. Like four 80s in a row. And I'm like, coach, don't you worry. I'm going to do well in the tournament. And I was, and he said, all right, I trust you, whatever. I, I was in top 10 for the first event. I wasn't, I was close to the lead for a couple of holes and I, I missed a couple of shots. But I mean, I came in first for the team of Arkansas by a couple of shots. And I mean, that's the type of coaching I, I need. And I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's just the way I am. I don't know. I don't perform my qualifiers, but I think I do pretty well in tournaments because oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what drives me. All right, so we're just going to, if we can just get you to the first tee, then you're going to be, you're fine. It's just the qualifiers. Okay, I, I, I'm glad you told me that story. Well, you, you have this great success, and, I mean, you have two years there. You, you win multiple times, and um, now we're going to, I mean, now you're going to Arkansas. Now you're going from, you know, the Colonial Athletic Association to the SEC, and I mean, that's a big jump. I mean, you're going against teams like, you know, Auburn and Florida and Alabama. This is arguably one of the strongest conferences in Division One. You know, if you were a big fish in a small pond in Wilmington, well, now you're, you know, you're in a big pond, which is the SEC and which is Arkansas. How did the transition go? How did you get to Arkansas from Wilmington? It was a big jump, I got to tell you. Yeah. I mean, guys in Arkansas, they are treated really, really well. Wilmington is awesome, but Arkansas is just a different thing. It's so many luxuries, so many good things, facilities that are amazing. are just something crazy out of this world. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so when I got there, I was like, I'm a little bit shocked. It's like, you know when something is like too much? Too good to be true, right? right? Yeah, so it was it was like that. Um, but now I, I honestly like that we have amazing facilities like the blessings and i like playing every time with the sec fields because all these guys julian one hunter walker uh the guys a couple from alabama georgia all these guys a lot of them are going to be on tour and i like playing with them because i mean it tells me where my game is at and what type of things i have to improve I'll follow up what you just said. When you get to Arkansas and you see who you're competing against, you see who you're playing with, what were maybe some of the things, excuse me, what were some of the things that you noticed in your game that just maybe didn't stack up to theirs that you said, okay, I had some success at Wilmington, but now we're in the big leagues and this is what I have to work on to get better. Um, well, kind of realized I'm, I need to improve my short game when I saw Ricky Castillo make a couple chips on in, in Vanderbilt right. uh, from from the middle of the shit. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy was just spinning the ball from the rough. I don't know, it was crazy. He was playing in front of me, uh, and I was like, okay, I think I need to start chipping the ball better. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's so, fair. yeah, yeah that's those things. All right, well, that's that's fair enough. Um. I'm going to ask you about the U.S. Amateur Band of Dunes, as I'm sure you've had many questions about that. We will definitely get to that for people that, that are thinking that I forgot it. It's uh, it, it it's hard to forget, uh, you know, Band of Dunes. And I, I will ask you about that. But the one thing I want to talk to you about before we get there is, is last time I saw you, which was at the Merido Amateur in Dallas. And, you know, kind of similar situation i know bandon was all about the wind and merido was really all about the cold weather 
you played fantastic in both events. You know, I've asked this question to numerous guests. I think it's great to get different perspectives. But um, how do you prepare to perform your best in bad weather golf? Uh, it's, it's hard. It depends every time on what sort of bad weather it is. But it's just more of like an accepting mentality, I would say. But in match play, like both these events, it doesn't really matter. Right. Because you can. You, the only thing you have to win by one on the 18th hole, and you're good to go. Doesn't matter if you shoot 90 and you win by one. If you shoot 60 and you win by 10, it's the same thing. You're going to the next round and it, you start all over again. What uh, What course did you find more difficult, Bandon or Merido? Well, I played both of these courses before before right. these events, and Bandon was one of my favorite courses. Um, before the AM and Merida was probably the hardest courses I ever played before this uh, new event that they had and um, I mean I I like Bandon because of the place and everything that it it means but Merida is just amazing because it's super demanding it's just tough out of the tee every hole there's no rest there's no easy streak of holes it's just always you have to be at 100% or you're going to get a double bogey there really really easy. Um, you know that Albert Huddleston is is listening to this episode and he's just loving the fact that that you like Merido so much. I'm guessing you might need to make another visit there in 2021 to the Merido Amateur. Well, yes, the problem about Merido is always I get there with a smile and I always end up good leaving like, dang it. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's a proper challenge and that's how I love a good challenge, uh, especially for the golf course. But the thing is, every time I, I haven't been able to like dominate the course, you know. Right. I have played two tournaments there and still has kicked my ass both times. So I I gotta go back there and just get my game going for well, once. Well, I know that you. I know uh, one of the highlights of that uh, tournament for me was watching you uh, finish off a match. I believe it was probably twenty two holes and. Um, it ended, no, I'm sorry, 20 holes that ended on the uh, second hole of par five. And yeah, I just saw you basically finishing that match and just a big hug with your caddy and Albert's there to greet you. And you just, <laughs> that, that had to be a fun moment just to see the guy that, that owns the joint and you walk out of 20 holes victorious and, and he's there to congratulate you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Albert, Albert is, um, a great guy. I met him a couple of times and he's always been very welcoming to me. And uh, to my to my friends that play in that tournament, yeah, it was a great match play. The one that that I played, um, and you know, as I told you, it doesn't matter if you're in the twentieth hole, tenth hole. You just gotta win and move on to the next round. Sadly, I got my I got my ass kicked by Frankie Capen in the next round. But I know, it, but you know, it's golf. That's golf. Yeah, a lot of good players that Merido Am. That's gonna be a very uh, that's gonna be a very competitive event for many years to come. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about Band of Dunes. Let's talk about the USAM. You know, one of the, I guess, the mo most memorable moment of that US Amateur was, um, well, you know, one of the most interesting moments for me right before your match against Tyler Sirfaci in the round of 16 was your match against Mac Meisner um, from SMU. You know, Mac won, won the Southern Amateur at Merido earlier that year. He's the eighth seed heading into match play. He shoot, you know, shoots 64, kicking things off at Bandon Dunes in the first round of stroke play. So you know you're facing one of the hottest players in the country. You beat him 2-1 and one 
with you being the 40th seed. So, you know, if you're just going by the numbers, you would, you know, consider it, I guess, a mild upset just by looking at the, the seeding. And I'm there on the 17th green. You win the match. You're finishing up an interview. You're heading to the round of 16. And you come up to me and say, hey, can you send me some of the photos you took of me today? Do you remember doing that after you won your match? Of course I do, man. I want to get I want to get the good pictures. I mean, I got to I got to get on the gram, you know. <laughs> I love it. So the thing that I found so interesting is that you're there, and most players are thinking, "All right, I got through that match. I got to get to the clubhouse. I got to eat, rest, and focus up." Um, was that even your thought, or what were you thinking about as you were heading into the round of sixteen? Um, I don't know. I try I try to do a little bit about. <laughs> What Bobby Jones says, you know, that he says a lot of players think they're um, they're focusing, they're merely warring. Yeah, they're, so, they're, like, so they're fo- instead of focusing, yeah, instead of focusing, they're worrying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very small line in between both of those. So I just try to keep it a, as chill as possible and uh, try to do my own thing. Not like if I don't care, but close to that you know like it doesn't matter that much i'm just gonna go out there play my golf and enjoy the day hopefully make some putts well you go into this round of 16 match where you face the eventual champion tyler shafachi and you know that match and and how it ended will probably be discussed for for many years it's definitely a part of that championship as you know again for many to come you know, it served as, you know, a, just a great representation of sportsmanship and class and also kind of illustrated the intricacies and the rules of this game. Um, I know you did several interviews about it right after the USAM or right after it occurred. And, you know, for, for people listening that need a little bit of a refresher, it was, you know, an up and down match. Nobody, you know, neither one of you were more than two up the entire way. You birdie 16, I'm sorry, you birdie 13, you birdie 16, you pull even, you guys are tied walking to the 18th tee. You know, it's a par five, you're both lying two. I think Tyler's, you know, 20, 30 yards short of the green, you're in the right greenside bunker. Your caddy enters the bunker, he tests the sand with, uh, with his hand. Obviously, the rules infraction causes you to lose the hole in the match. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, and I know that, that you and you know, anyone, if you're going to lose a match, you, you know, you want, you want to lose the way you lost to Frankie at the, at the Merido Amateur. You want to lose to someone that's making birdies. Um, you know, I can imagine if, if Tyler holds out for Eagle and he beats you, you're like, Hey, you know, tip the hat and, you know, good match. And it is what it is, but obviously everything that happened after that, um, were you, I guess, were you surprised that so many people were blown away by how you handled it? I mean, I'm thinking there's really only one way to handle it. It's just you say, hey, it is what it is. It was no fault of my own, but I did receive the penalty. Were you surprised at, at how everything occurred the, the 24 to 48 hours afterwards? Yeah, I was. I got to be honest. I, I, I don't think I've, I've been asked that question. So it's a good one. Um, I didn't think my interview was that good. Like I was watching, I, I watched it a couple of times and like, maybe I should have said something better, but I was surprised that a lot of people liked it and uh, that they, um, they supported the way I acted. So, I mean, I, I was glad in that way. Of course I wanted, if I, I, I told my caddy, if we're leaving here, we came like men, we're going to leave like men with our head up, chin up, whatever. And well, it didn't, it kind of happened that way, but 
yeah, I'm glad that everyone was there to support me. I got a lot of messages from a lot of people on it. Well, and the other thing that maybe most people didn't realize is that the USGA was really there for you in those 24 hours. Because I think they re- realized that, and it, it, this isn't you specifically, I think they realized that just about every single person in that field is, you know, whether they're 17 to 22 years old, you're not, you know, you're not as media savvy as guys on the PGA Tour. And they were, from what I understand, they were there to kind of help you through the numerous media requests and help you not get overwhelmed by every single person that's coming to get, you know, a, a soundbite or something. How did uh, how did they kind of help you through those those 24 hours um, or 48 hours afterwards? The USGA was amazing. Like, I got to be honest with you, I'm really... Uh, thankful to Robbie Salsnick and uh, everyone that was there involved in the USGA because they were so nice to me after it. Um, I mean, they were just helping me out, you know, trying to have me talk to my caddy, see how he was doing. Um, they were also trying to help me out with the with the media, you know, if this guy wants to talk to you, whatever, what time you want to do it, it's your some recommendations and stuff. They were always great with me and. Uh, I think they were happy with the way I handled things, and I was happy with the way they handled things. So we were all enjoying each other's company. Now, how did how did the T-shirts happen? Uh, there is a post on your on on your Instagram of of this T-shirt that I think <laughs> I, I love this because, of course, and don't worry, I, I'm saving the best for last. We are going to talk about about Julian. So don't when your your teammate in Arkansas. Don't worry, we're, we're, I didn't forget about him, but. There's this great video of Julian wearing this T-shirt, and it's uh, of you and and your caddy, and um, you know just I, I think it's hashtag all class or something like that. So, you know, for people that you know know don't know much about Bandon Dunes, it's not like you just run to the local T-shirt printing shop and they're ready in ten hours. I have still have no idea how that happened. When did you first see this T-shirt? Um, yeah, I was I was shocked about the t-shirts. So uh, we were playing. Uh, Band News was so nice; they gave us a couple tea times for me and Holy and one of Julian Scotty. So we played Sheep Ranch, and then we played uh, Pacific Dunes. We played that historic match between me and Julian. Oh yeah. And uh, and then one of the guys tells me there's a surprise for you. So we get in a car, and we drive to this house, and we get in, and there's all the USGA guys that were working there, all wearing the T-shirts. And it took me like kind of like a minute to realize. And I was like, hey, that's me. What are you doing with that? That's awesome. Yes, because I went there. I said hello to everyone. And like a minute after, I was like, oh, why, 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 is, why is it me on a T-shirt? Did you get to keep one of those? I'm sure you did. Ah, yes, yes. I got to keep one of them. Um, I think there's a little bit of wine spilled in oh, that shirt. Oh, okay. But, oh, okay. Well, I'm sure it's not yours. Someone bumped into you and spilled wine on it. I mean, I think it's great how, how the USGA, you know, like I said, helped you through a situation. And, again, it's a great representation of sportsmanship that I think everyone got to see. Um, and, yeah, I can't imagine. I'm glad you were there playing golf and, and having to kind of decompress and just kind of, uh, you know, blow off some steam. And, and, and who did win that match between you and Julian, by the way? We tied. We tied on a 36-hole. Oh, my God. I, I honestly think he let me tie him because he was 
because because he was one up or like two up through 17 and then i think he kind of led me time because he didn't want to feel bad <laughs> so but uh, hopefully he doesn't hear this part oh no he's gonna hear the whole thing he's... We, we, yeah we, we never talked about this we never talked about it. we just kept it classy and we just kept going and said yep it's 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 a half uh-huh so a lot of a lot of a lot of six footers were probably given to each other i'm guessing oh of course of oh, course yeah. a couple six footers yeah a couple yeah absolutely so um well the guy we're talking about who was just recently a previous guest here on the back of the range mr uh julian perico um you know native of of lima peru and uh, your teammate at arkansas and I know you spent a lot of time together at Bandon. I was there. Um, another fun memory for me is watching you and him at the practice range where, you know, you're trying to drag him off the range and head home. And, um, you know, I know you guys have, have a lot of a lot in common, you know, uh, but also some differences. You know, he's from Peru and you're from Argentina and you're tall and lanky and Julian is um, – He's not. Let's just say that. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was thinking you were going to say he was fat. No, I let you say that. Oh, that's man. see, that's because I'm a, I'm an experienced podcaster. I just lead you into it that way. You say it and I don't. But now, one thing I will say that he said himself. He's like, because I just texted him. I'm like, hey, I, I got I got Segundo for the podcast, and and uh, what do you got for me? And he's like, well, you know. I told you that I can't pick up girls, but but Segundo does a lot better in that department than I do. Um, when when did you first meet Julian? So we I we met I met with Julian uh, at a tournament in Chile. We were like fifteen or sixteen, and we went there to play a tournament. And I ended up winning that event. And Julian and I were staying in the same hotel with a couple of friends, and ended up going out to dinner every night. We were going um, to the mall. Uh, with the other guys that were playing for the other countries, and um, I don't know, we kind of we kind of got kind of close, and then we started playing a couple tournaments in the U.S. We played um, we played the IMG in California, which he won. Then we played uh, we played together in um, in Basel in the U.S. Junior, and mm-hmm. uh, we stayed kind of friends uh, since then. And and I hear that he kind of maybe was a little bit of a uh, a recruiter for you to come to Arkansas. Uh, yes, yes, I'm really thankful with him. Um, I told him several times he he was a bit influence on me coming to, going to Arkansas because I mean you know it's important to have a friend uh, there to kind of give you the reference to the coach and also because he was telling me like how cool Arkansas was because I never expected to go to Arkansas when I first got to the US because I I never went to that section of the country not the Midwest um, but it's now that I'm I'm in Arkansas I can tell you. It's, really underrated it's an amazing place to be people are so cool golf courses are so nice and the weather is also great so i mean i'm really happy with it what's uh what's the surfing like in fayetteville arkansas not good <laughs> but we 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 did we did one uh wake surfing yeah one time it was pretty cool man i'm not i'm not as good in wake surfing as in surfing but i mean it was a lot of fun I, I, I want to hit upon this. I really, I mean, it's just too much fun to have, have you know, just to pick on Julian. But, you know, we, we talked about this in his episode. He's like, I, 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 you know, I'm too, I think he's like, I'm too friendly. And that's why I can't, I have no, I don't have a whole lot of luck with, with the ladies. I'm just, I'm too much of a buddy. Now, what can, I mean, he has helped you with your collegiate career and, and, and helped, you know, advise you and say hey Arkansas you know he's done a lot for you what can you possibly do for him 
so that he can actually, you know, pick up a girl every once in a while. Like, I mean, have what advice can you give to him? Yeah, I guess I guess I never thought about a sort of a retribution. I mean, you you, you kind of you kind of owe him. I mean, I mean, you're saying I'm just listening to what you're saying. You're you're very thankful. You kind of owe him. Like, what you know, you got to help him out a little bit. I I, I kind of have to help him out. To be honest, like the thing is, like he's he at least he's honest. You know, I mean, yeah. he gets friends. On, he gets friends on the lot, and um, so I got to give him some. I think my best advice would be just. Get the get the girls friends on first. You know, if a girl calls you "Hey, buddy," just call her like the same way. Just like treat her as a friend, and then she'll be like, "Oh, this guy's not into me," and then kind of drop the attention that way. Right. And uh, he he's too intense in it. You know, he knows that a girl likes him, and then he's all for it. So yeah, you can't. I show think that's a big Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. No, no, no. Yeah, you can't show that you're interested right away. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. No, yeah, you got to be chill. It's like it's similar to golf. You know, if you want to go out there and do a, a birdie every single hole, you're gonna have some trouble on the way. You just got to be like chill. You know, let let the game come to you a little bit, and then take your chances whenever you have you have. I mean, this is great. I mean, this is I'm get, we're getting golf advice here. We're getting relationship advice here. This is this this episode is becoming very. This is going to be a great episode. I mean, this is fantastic. Um, you want some? You want some surfing advice? Uh, or some I mean, snowboarding? I'm I mean, I'm going to give you a snowboarding advice. Okay. Yeah. Well, do not go ahead. Do not try to do a 360 in the park, like in the snow park, because you're going to end up with. Uh, six screws in the middle of plating your right elbow, just is, like I am. Okay, is that is that where that scars from? Because I've seen a picture of your elbow, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll ask him about how he came back from a golf injury to be, you know, to play fantastic golf. So it doesn't sound like this was a golf injury. This was just you being dumb and snowboarding. Yeah, I was I was 15. I was snowboarding. I went to the park. It was it was cold in the morning, and I thought I can pull off the 360, and I definitely wasn't able to. So. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a dumb mistake, and now I have all these screws in my right elbow, and every time, kind of like, it is cold, I kind of like feel them cracking and moving oh, around, but, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm used to it. I have some worse stories, so... Well, we'll 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 save those. We won't we won't air those stories because there are still. Uh, you do have a college coach at Arkansas that would probably like you to be able to play some golf over the next couple of years. So we'll we'll leave those out. Um, well, Segundo, this was a lot of fun. Long time coming. Uh, I'm I'm really glad that uh, you you've had the right mindset moving forward after the USAM. I, I know that you're anxious to get back to uh, to Fayetteville for for the um, you know for the spring season in the sec and um great seeing you at merido i'm sure i'm going to see you a lot this year and uh, i'm really thrilled that you're here at the back of the range enjoy the new year in argentina and uh, i'll see you soon thanks man appreciate it it's been a great a great talk with you always fun to have you around and uh, hope you can take some good pictures of me in the next event <laughs> just like you always do of course man and there you have it. Special thanks to Segundo Oliva Pinto for joining me on this episode here at the back of the Range Golf Podcast. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Website, thebackoftherange.com. That's where you find all the old episodes. There's 175 of them. So catch up. We'll see you again next time here at the back of the range.